10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Belts, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you. We've got a lot to talk about. A very busy week in the world of A-State athletics. And coming up here in the next few minutes, we're looking forward to a visit with A-State men's golf coach, Mike Hagan. First time he's been in on this podcast. A lot to talk about with him. His team finishing up the fall season very strong over the course of the last few weeks. But we're going to start with football. And it was great to see the Red Wolves get back in the win column on Saturday. A-State defeating UMass 35-33. to And look, we can break this thing down, but the bottom line is, Brad, they got a win yeah. and good to get back in the win column. Yeah, I think you a lot of times you take things like the the point spread that you can't help but look at and you get your know, preconceived notions of what a game's going to look like and then early on it looked like it could go that route. I would maintain and I heard coach say something similar to you guys in this post game that look, would it have been great to go out there and just blow somebody out and coast into a win? Yeah, that'd be fun. It would be no doubt. But really in the long run, this team probably will get more out of winning the game the way it wanted yeah because they've ended up in that spot you know three times over the course of the year and didn't come out with a win and so to to get out of a game with a tight win will probably pay more dividends than winning big would have that's a good point and, and really for the second straight game second straight home game the weather was a major factor had the monsoon against south alabama and then just a, a really chilly day on Saturday. Temperatures were in the 30s. The wind chill was in the 20s. And hey, credit to everybody who yeah. was there for that entire game. And even if they weren't able to stay for the whole thing. And it really goes back to the point that we've talked about before the, the, the way that stadium lays out, right? It doesn't have to be full to be loud. And it yeah. was nothing close to full. But uh, what you, but here's the deal what you were down to was the people that are all in right <laughs> and so they're going to make some noise and they did and it was i mean it still was fun coming down the stretch and we yeah we appreciate everybody that uh that stuck that one out I, i've told you you were jeff purinton and even you know brandon cunningham some of these new guys that are here for the first time they've punched an awful lot of numbers in on their kind of crazy stuff that can happen bingo card they've already had a <laughs> As you called it, a monsoon. <laughs> now they had a you know bitterly cold game. Of course, this one you got three and one. This was the triple header, the trifecta Saturday because you had it was brutally cold. First weekend of the gun season for deer hunters, and it was a little bit of Christmas. Yeah, had so that going a, on the too. trifecta. Kind of going through the game quickly. Great drive to open the game, and that drive ended with an amazing catch by Sadu Triore. Marcel Murray has come in at running back here. James Blackman going deep right side looking for Sadu, and Sadu makes the catch. He was drilled as soon as he made the catch, a yard deep in the end zone, but Sadu holds on for the score. And then later in the first quarter, a defensive score. Second defensive touchdown of the year. It's great to see Travion Thomas get the pick six. Brady Olsen throws this one and is picked off. 
It's picked off, coming back the other way, and into the end zone. It's Travion Thomas. Thomas with the pick six. A State with their second defensive touchdown of the year. And the Red Wolves take a two-score lead with 5-12 remaining in the opening quarter. You're up 14-6 at the half. And look, at, at halftime, you know, one thing that kind of stood out was the fact that all but two of the offensive yards for the Red Wolves in the first half came on that opening drive. We did see some adjustments made at halftime. Red Wolves changed up that offensive line a little bit. They did a better job in the second half protecting James Blackman, and they were able to get the run game going a a little bit in the second half as well. Started with a good opening drive in the third quarter, uh, a drive that was capped off on a touchdown pass from James Blackman to to Valence Hunt, and at that point, you're up 21-6. Triore is the H-back here. He goes in motion. Blackman pump fakes, now steps up in the pocket. He's thrown over the middle. This is caught. Tavalence Hunt will walk into the end zone for the score. 18 yards on the touchdown. Blackman to Tavalence Hunt. You get now the, the two-score lead, or at one point even time, it's technically still two scores even at 16. And every time you, you thought there was a little bit of comfort, UMass found a way. Yeah, credit to them. I mean, they came back, made it 21 to 19, and then Marcel Murray with the biggest play of the day. 521 remaining in the third. A-State fresh set of downs from their own 25. Handed off here, running left across the 35-40. This is Marcel Murray, and he's going to take it to the house. Marcel Murray, 75 yards. My former intern, Marcel Murray. Couldn't be happier for Marcel because, look, he just burst onto the scene his first two years here you thought the way he was going he was going to break every record in the book and just was electric and then the last three years he's just been injury plagued he's missed a handful of games this season and you know for him to have the kind of game he did the other day I think it made a lot of people really happy eight carries 123 yards and a touchdown including that 75 yard touchdown run really nice young man like for real he when i went to work there it was already arranged that he was going to be interning with the person in that spot so i got a chance to be around marcel a lot early on in uh, my time there and earlier in the season even up to the time he was missing uh some games he was still there really good young man i was very happy for him mentioned the changes with the offensive line McKeelan Thomas had started the game at right tackle he moved back to left tackle where he's been all season long and he made a fantastic block on that 75 yard run and later on the Red Wolves go up 16 a touchdown run by Johnny Lang from 12 yards out Johnny Lang stands to the left of the quarterback James Blackman give it to Johnny trying to get out on that right edge Johnny inside the 10 Johnny inside the five Going for the pylon, and he's in. Touchdown, Johnny Lane. At that point, it's 35-19 going into the fourth, and another two-score lead gets cut down to two points. And really, you come down to the biggest moment of the ball game. It's 35-33 Red Wolves, 18 seconds to go. A two-point conversion will tie it. And then Kenny Harris makes the play of the game. Trips on the right. Ross goes in motion. Zero throws to Isaac Ross. And he stopped at the one. He stopped at the one. They didn't get in. For everything 
that happened during that game. That's what we're going to remember. We're going to remember Kenny Harris making an amazing play. When that ball was caught out in the flat, I thought, game's tied. Yeah, game's tied. But Kenny was able to get off his guy, comes out a, what, a half yard beyond the goal line and just stands him up. As good of a one-on-one tackle as you'll (laughs) ever see. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, I know you've got some numbers here. I'm going to tell you. So in the booth where I you'll stay during the game, where I'm sort of directing things, and I've got the school board operators and the PA guys in front of me and the control board, uh, control room for the video boards behind me. But I, there are two TVs in there, and one of them's always on basically the video board feed, which also could be the ESPN feed. The game ends, and we're you know, getting stuff put away, and the ESPN broadcast has got the final stats for the game and we also literally people said well, those don't they don't have those right i mean that's not even <laughs> and here's the thing i just went along with it it's like yeah you're right i mean look at those numbers those numbers aren't right they were umass ran 94 plays in that game a state ran 42 i've never seen a play differential quite like that the red wolves had the football 18 and a half minutes <laughs> they were 0 for 8 on third down but they found a way to win. And Coach Jones talked about it in, in that post-game interview you were referencing earlier. There's a lot of things that they can correct from this, but it's much easier to correct off a win than a loss. And you see the videos of the guys in the locker room. They're celebrating. They don't care how they did no. it. They won the game. So a win is a win is a win. Picking up their third win of the season, they'll go for Two wins in a row this week as they travel to Texas State. We'll talk much more about that a little bit later on. But coming up next, we'll be joined in studio by the men's golf coach at Arkansas State, Mike Hagan, coming up next here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Pleased to be joined now in studio by the eighth-year men's golf coach at Arkansas State, He's a member of multiple Hall of Fames. We'll get into all that coming up here. But uh, fitting that this podcast is presented by Simmons Bank because Mike Hagan's team, every time they take the course, they got Simmons Bank on their shirts. Is that right? Yes, we do. Do you get any heat with your fellow coaches? Do you give them heat? You got a sponsorship deal. No, I don't bring any of that up. Heck no. I think I've had one guy say something to me, and I don't remember where it was, Bobo. But yeah, other than that, no, just do my thing and just let that be that. Well, that's pretty cool. And I know our buddy John Finch over at Red Bull Sports Properties kind of helped push for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Will Zalatoris actually is a Simmons Bank guy too, isn't he? He is. I love that Simmons logo he has on his collar too. The way they, the way he does that on his collar. So ours are on our our sleeve right now. But something I want to do is get that on the collar. I think that looks pretty cool. All right. So, again, talking with Mike Hagan here on the Second to None podcast and kind of want to give you a chance to tell your story a little bit. First off, where are you from? When did you get into golf? 
I was always a baseball player, to believe it or not. Yeah. But I come from a family of, you know, just people who loved baseball, played baseball, and that's what I did growing up a lot. And uh, he was on the all all the all star teams, and you know I don't think there were as many traveling teams back then. Obviously, around 1990, 92, 93 in that area, it's not like it is now. I think it seems like there's traveling teams for every single sport. Oh and yeah, it seems like mm-hmm. it's every weekend. I couldn't imagine doing that. But my grandma, grandpa, my mom on my mom's side, they played golf. Nobody else in my family mm-hmm. played golf on uh, either side. So they said, you know, you should go play golf sometime. Come on and play with us. You know, when as a kid, you're like, eh, that doesn't. Doesn't sound too cool, right? Because everybody's playing football, basketball, baseball. So anyways, I went out one time. Really enjoyed it. It was a good time. Started going to the range here and there and hitting some balls. And, you know, the next thing you know, I had a few buddies and we'd go out and play. And baseball, I mean, I loved it. But, you know, I think you kind of get burned out or I just loved golf more. Mm. I don't know. I've got no idea. So anyways, ended up quitting baseball, just going strictly to golf. And I wasn't even that good. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm just going to play golf now. End up, you know, not being very good in my freshman year of high school. I think I started probably, you know, end of seventh grade and then eighth grade. You know, you're still doing both and get into ninth grade and uh, I don't know, bottom of the JV varsity team or, you know, me and all my buddies are who aren't who aren't doing very good. I think Matt, you and I were talking about that before we started the show, you know, like what is used to shoot or what's good for a beginner and probably shooting around 100 at that time. You yeah. know, I probably got it down to that or maybe breaking 100. Well, then my sophomore year, I worked really hard at it. You know, I was out there every single day, all day from, you know, sunrise to sunset. You know, the next thing you know, I'm playing like two man on the varsity team going into my sophomore year and I think I ended up winning qualifying. So it's pretty cool. It's a big jump. It's stuff that, you know, you always talk about hard work and putting the time in and uh, good things will happen. So anyway, it's probably just an average golfer, to be honest with you. You know, never really probably had a chance to play professionally at all. And But, you know, went to JUCO and then I uh, went to University of Northern Iowa my shoulder had a shoulder deal my uh, last year at uh, Iowa Lakes Community College, where I played my first two years. So that kind of led over into my uh, final two years and just sort of worked at a country club for a guy named Ken Shaw. He was on tour, shoot, maybe full time for only a couple of years, but uh, was well known out of the state of Iowa and was working for him and a couple other guys I knew while I was finishing up my school. And he really wanted me to keep playing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got just over half a year left. And I'm not going to go back and I'm probably just going to, you know, hang it up. And I said, well, maybe I'll do this. You know, maybe maybe I'll go in the clubs, club pro side of things. And, you know, cause I still want to be around golf. I loved golf. I just, you know, uh-huh. couldn't have played at a competitive level anymore, you know, anymore like a lot of these guys do. So, um, you know, took the PAT, did all that stuff, started working for Kenny, then said, you know, dealing with members so much. I said, this is not for me. I'm not going to do this. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Uh, so anyways, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? I have no idea. You know, I'm engaged now to my wife. She's working for Von Mar, which is a big time department store, actually based out of the Quad Cities where I'm from. I mean, you know, you kind of got to start figuring some things out. So undergrad was in uh, education. So I ended up going back to uh, school at Western Illinois to pursue my uh, master's in sports administration. While traveling, I, mean, I just pretty much drove down every single day. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from the Quad Cities where I was at. I was living with my wife. We had a house. I'd work part-time for my dad and, you know, still played golf, still was around golf all the time, but, you know, also going to school, just juggling a lot of different things. So after two years down there, I'm, I'm finishing up my master's and this job comes open at Ashford University in Clinton, Iowa, and it's an NAI school. Well, we have an NAI school in the Quad Cities in, in St. Ambrose, and their, their athletics have always been very good. Top-notch for that level, okay? In golf, they mm-hmm. were nationally competitive every single year at the time. So, anyways, I applied for the job, and they really don't have a golf team. You know, the base, it was back in the day where the basketball coach is doing it. They mm-hmm. just gave them the job. They gave them an assistant, and 
they're not very good. Yeah. So, anyways, they're going to start women's golf. They also they they want to combine it. So I apply. Next thing you know, I get the job. Okay. So, coach the men eh, a year and a half, I think. I think I started like in the spring, if I remember correctly. That's a long time ago. Can't believe. I, I mean, it's eighteen years now. Coaching for a year and a half, and I was recruiting on the women's side. Okay. So I was just like building the team, getting them ready, getting them ready to start the golf program. Did event management, recruited for the admissions department. I mean, you know what it is. You have three, four jobs and you're just grinding to put a salary together because this is what you this is what you think you want to do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing all these jobs and then we did okay, actually. I mean, I didn't I never got coached the women, but the men got better. We actually had golfers in the program. So we weren't the laughing stock of the league and finished and last and everything. And the next thing I know, job opens at Indian Hills Community College. Well, that's a place, I mean, they won three national championships in basketball in the 90s. I don't think they lost a game for up like pretty much three years. I think it was like 89 straight wins or something. Softball was unbelievable. Volleyball, golf, baseball. I would say it's top three JUCO in the country in the history of JUCOs, hands down. You know, you could, you could probably put Odessa Community College up or Odessa Junior College now. You could put that up there and I don't know, maybe Midland, but definitely across the board, one of the best JUCOs in the country. So this job opens for the men's golf position. And Greg Laddiehoff, this guy played on tour. He's from Clinton, Iowa. Duck hunted a lot with him. Some things like that. He's like, you should apply for this. You know, I know so-and-so down there is at the school. You can get interviewed. I said, Greg, I don't have a resume, man. That's like a really good job. I mean, that's gonna they're, they're going to have a lot of young coaches really wanting that job. You know, Brad went from there to Florida as the assistant. So I said, I've got no chance to get that. He goes, well, no, just, just apply. You never know. So I go home, I apply. A week later, I get a call for an interview. So, and I'm, and I'm actually interviewing as two former players. Okay. I'm the last one to go in. I go in for the interview. Interview went really well. You know, I really liked it. It was a cool place. It was unbelievable. I'm just like, well, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. I get home, talk to my wife about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, it went well, but, you know, they'll probably go with, go with somebody else. I just don't have the, my resume's nothing. I mean, really, it's like nothing. And like two days later, I get a phone call, two, three days later, and they offer me a job. I mean, I was like, okay, <laughs> what are you guys doing? First of all, so, <laughs> um, and so you know, my wife, she's actually kind of burned out with what she was doing, anyways. Too, you know, wanted to get out of retail, all the you know the hours over the holidays and the travel and different things. So she said, all right, well, I guess you know we can go go give this a whirl and just see what happens, right? So we moved down to you know from the Quad Cities to Ottumwa, Iowa, small town, probably twenty five thousand people. You know, if it wasn't for John Deere, Cargill at the time. And then, you know, Indian Hills, I mean, South Southeast Iowa, there'd be there'd be nothing there, really. So we get down there, inherit a really good team. You know, we do those those first five years of, that we're down there, we do really well. I mean, I think we had one finish outside the top six, and you know, at a national tournament. Coached a lot of really good players, won, you know, regional and district awards, and it was awesome. Just doing really good things. Then finally, that next year, I think, is when we really took that big jump. That's also when I became athletic director there. I was going to ask you about that. So you're the men's <laughs> golf coach, but somehow you become the athletic director. How did that come about? Well, my boss who hired me, I was really good friends with, he ends up retiring, and they need an athletic director. Again, one of those things where, I mean, I was kind of I had my hands in everything within the athletic department. You know, I, was, I guess I was already kind of like an assistant to him without the title, obviously. I mean, because I was always at all the games, always helping do things, trying to earn extra money and, and, and do some things like that. And you, I knew everybody in town, knew all the boosters. I applied again. I was 29. I don't think I was even 30 yet. I think I turned 30 the next summer. <laughs> Okay. I'm sure your head is spinning at yeah, this point. It is. It is. And so anyways, they give me the job. Okay. <laughs> I, I get this job on top of what I'm already doing. 
go through my, you know, first fall doing both. It was crazy. Go through my first basketball season. Basketball's big time there. I mean, it'll sell out. You can't get tickets. It's standing room only around the track, down below. A lot of Division One, big time Division One coaches in there, even NBA scouts. It's it, it, we was put on a lot of good games. Well, we weren't doing that well at the time. And our old coach, who won a couple of those national championships, he went to Denver as the head coach. Then um, I don't know what all happened there. I'm not going to speculate. He wasn't there anymore. Didn't have a job. And then our arch rivals on Highway 34 there, Southeastern, their job opens up and they hire him. Well, then he starts beating us. And our current coach isn't doing a very good job. I don't Like I said, I don't think I was 30. And I'm going through this with my president and director of HR and, you know, our dean of students, and we have to make a change. So I'm a golf coach. I'm AD. You're going through this basketball search, which I'm getting phone calls from, you name them. I probably got a phone call from someone or talked to him on my, on my cell phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So end up going through there, hiring Barrett Peary, who was the associate head at Utah, and they all got let go that year. It was a great fit. He came back, did a heck of a job, and we won our first national championship there that year in golf. So, well, I want to circle back before it gets too far away. Because That's fine. I don't want people in Tumwa, Iowa, to be mad. That so I also mentioned when you rattle off the things that came from there, you skip radar. So I was gonna say that's it's where radar was from. <laughs> radar from was Mash. from well, uh, Tumwa, Iowa. That was where the character was from. <laughs> You're correct. You're correct. Who else was from there? Well, you got me. I shot my shot there with radar. Tom Arnold. <laughs> okay, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold's radar from there. and Tom Arnold. Yeah, my first five years, I worked in Tom Arnold's building. Yeah, not the guy that, by the way, not the guy that played Radar. Literally, Radar, the character, was from Atomo, Okay. Iowa. We're getting overwhelmed <laughs> with information about From Atomo, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, you, you're having a lot of success with, with the golf program. Yeah. What was it that clicked for you? Why are you able to have the kind of success that you've had? I'm going to see what your answer I've asked you this very question on the air before, so I'm going to see if your answer matches up. Now you're putting me on the spot, Brad. I'm nervous about this. Obviously, I think I've just made really good decisions in personnel. Okay, that's first and foremost. I've been really lucky when it comes to making decisions. Okay, now also I've had some busts. Okay, we all we all make mistakes. Sure. But I've also been really lucky with the personnel decisions I've had on people that can play for me and can you know do the things that I need them to do within our program to be successful. So I think that's number one. And then number two, I've had a system – with just the way I run things, I don't think a lot of golf coaches in the country, maybe until now, you know, because I think everything's evolving within college athletics, obviously, and people, people, everybody wants to be successful now and everybody's trying to win at every single sport to where I've just, I've had this system and expectations within our program that it's either get good or get gone or fit in or leave, whatever little saying that you want to say. You know, I still believe that you cannot work people. You know, I think a lot of people say that you cannot work people anymore in this profession, but you can. You can still work people a little bit, I think. And and I was always I was always able to do that, especially early on. I think that's obviously caught up a little bit, but just the system and obviously per, you know making making the right decisions personnel wise. How old are you? Forty three. Yes. You're younger than Brad and I. Yep. Punk. And I don't. Hey, you guys don't look. You guys look young. <laughs> you do. We appreciate you saying that. <laughs> The reason I ask you that is you're in the Junior College Hall of Fame, the Golf Coaches Association of America Hall of Fame. What's it like to be a 43-year-old Hall of Fame member? I imagine it's a little bit overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's different. It's weird. It's exciting. I think it was the golf coaches one mm-hmm. uh, because that came before the the JUCO one, right? No, JUCO came. JUCO was before I got here. Like I think like the year before I got here. 
and then it became the GCAA, okay. and then Indian Hills. Then the Indian Hills yeah. one. Yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It was the Golf Coaches Association. Because I, he's going into that one, and I mean, that sounds like an awfully big deal. Biggest thing, b- biggest one I can ever go into. This has been a few years now, so you're probably, I mean, I don't know if you're 40 when you go in. I mean, right at it. I, mean, I think I was 39, actually. I think it was right during COVID. I mean, it was right before COVID. And, and to be honest with you, so I can remember having him on the air, well, in my show at the time, I talked about this, and to be honest with you, I... He rattled off a bunch of words, but I would put in uncomfortable. For whatever reason, this right here is still, you had a hard time grasping reaching that honor at mm-hmm. the age you reached it at. Oh, totally. I think whether I'm, I probably would have felt uncomfortable or had a hard time um, believing that I reached that honor if I was 60, you know, yet alone 39 for crying out loud. You love success. You work for success. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the reason we all, at the end of the day, you want to see your players successful. You want your teams to be successful. And it's about winning. I mean, that's why you, that's why you go on the golf course. That's why you get in these events and play these tournaments is to win the doggone thing and compete. To do that as much as I that my teams had prior to 39, it, it was surreal. I guess I took it for granted. That's what I think is different from me now up to, you know, three years ago is I don't take good finishes. I don't take wins for granted anymore. You had all the success at the junior college level. Uh, I'm sure you had a chance to be picky about taking mm-hmm. your next job. Mm-hmm. 2015 rolls around. Why Arkansas State? Why was this the next step? Well, I'm in Italy, career? and I get this, I, I, and I had four or five interviews set up when I was coming back from this vacation. My whole family's over there. We land, and I think probably 36 hours after I land, I'm down here in Jonesboro. I'm the last, I think I was the last one that they brought in. So, I mean, I had four others, three or four others, something like that, scheduled after this one. And you're right, we had plenty of others every single year. But why this one? It's a golf-crazy community, okay? I mean, all three golf courses, it's... I mean, people people love golf, right? You saw the support of the golf team through all the events that they host, whether it's the Simmons or it's the Rachel. And even when we do ours, you know, the Bubba Barnett, the sponsors that come out and sponsor our event to be able to make it happen to where we can cut the cost down for the teams and they get a first-class experience. And then I thought the program, and this is not a knock on anybody prior, okay? This is just honesty. I thought it could be so much better. I didn't understand why it was the way it was. Where it yeah. was, because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm like, you got all this support. You have a university that all their athletics were really growing at the time. You know, I mean, you talk about Coach Rear at volleyball. I mean, Blake had it rolling in football still. Cross country and, and, and track were doing good back then still. I mean, there were, there were just a lot of good things going on. Women's basketball was awesome. I mean, those first couple of years. Yeah. I mean, they were unreal. Enjoyed watching them play. So I think you had that going for you. I think Terry was very charismatic, you know, and sold it well, too, at times. I believe that. Okay. <laughs> But I'm a businessman, too. Okay, I'm a salesman, I should say, too. So that was the biggest thing. I'm like, I can go in here and flip this thing, turn it around, and we'll see what happens. I always remember the sort of the time frame of where he started because literally his first function as the A-State head golf coach, he gets out of his car in the parking lot of Jonesboro Country Club, Mm -hmm. puts on an A-State polo, and gets on the air with me Mm -hmm. because I'm out there for the Simmons. That's true. True story. My wife had pneumonia, walking pneumonia. Didn't even know it either at the time, and she's down here with me. So, like, this is his first duty as head coach is to be on your yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Two story. Been at talking the, to the, him uh, ever Simmons since. Bank Red Wolves Classic, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is, which uh, is, 
that event's ridiculous, isn't it? It's unbelievable. <laughs> but that's but but that's what I'm saying. You know, you see things like that, and I'm I'm like, man, I could. This is this is a great place. I think you could be really successful here. I'm not saying you're going to be you know top 25 or top 35 every single year. I think that's unrealistic. You know, if you go and look at the rankings, there's power fives that are out at the top 100. There's power fives that miss you know postseason every single year in in all of our sports. You know, but I mean, I think you can go on runs. You can go on like real elite runs here, and then still be always in the mix. You know, always on the number, always having a chance to get to postseason. You said you thought you could get this thing <laughs> turned around once you got here. You were named Sunbelt Coach of the Year, your first season here, able mm-hmm. to have success right away. Were you surprised at how quickly you were able to get things going here? Yes. I thought it'd take three to four years, which, I mean, it did take four years, to, but that was like, that fourth year was like elite status, you know? Yeah. I thought it'd take four years to just get to even maybe where we were, to be honest with you, you know, because I think mm-hmm. we finished that first season ranked 80th and had six wins and broke a bunch of records. And I mean, honestly, I never saw that coming. You're able to continue to have success, though. You win the Sunbelt Championship for the first time ever. Was that 18, I think? My fourth year here. Yeah, 18-19. Back-to-back trips to the NCAA regionals. Mm -hmm. And you're able to continue that success. One thing I do want to get to is just your success (laughs) with international players and I know you and Brad have talked about this in the past but you look at your current roster six of the eight players are Mm -hmm. international players what is it about recruiting international players and why have you been able to have success with them that's my model and when you look back at my teams, when I first started doing this, we'd always have, you know, two, three domestic players. When I was in Iowa, you know, they were always Midwestern players, right? Yeah. And then and then you fill in with international players. So I started doing this up there because, A, I wasn't going to get eight really, really, really good domestic players to come to Tom, Iowa. It wasn't going to happen, okay? <laughs> so yeah. what you do is you go out, you find a few that are overlooked by some of the Power Five conferences up there that you know that are going to get better and compete at the JUCO level for sure, and then you go fill it in with really good in, in, you know international talent, and that's what I've continued to do here. You know, you've got Devin, who's hometown talent, which we're very lucky you know, to have a player like that on our roster and in our program from Bubba Jonesboro. Barnett a few weeks ago. Yeah. Correct. You know, had another really good finish at the, at the Bahamas. Pierce Johnson from uh, Highland Park, Texas, who's, I mean, you guys wait. He'll break out soon. And then, yes, you're right, to be able to go overseas and then fill in with those guys, even find some of the elite talent that, that, that I have found over the years is a really good mix and model, I think, you know, for a place like this. Because the problem is this now, too. So you've got, I think, especially down here, like in this footprint, it seems like, you know, well, my mom and dad went to Ole Miss. My daddy went to Texas A&M or, you know, so-and-so went to LSU. Well, then that kid in that family, a lot of times I think that it seems like they grow up wanting to do what their mom and dad did or attend their universities or, or, or be in the fraternity that their father was in or sorority that their mother was in. Sometimes that's a tough sell, too, to where we're going to have to overpay for a domestic player to come here to where they'll just go to XSEC school and take a scholarship for 15% or 20% to where I may have to double pay for them. Well, my return on my dollar is not good. Okay. I mean, like from a, if you look at it as a business standpoint, it wouldn't be a good return on investment is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Okay. T- tell them how many scholarships you have. I've get, I've get four and a half to work with now. Okay. Four and a half four for an eight person roster. Correct. Now you throw in COA. Really, I'm giving out, I believe, 5.2. Okay. So we'll say four and a half grant aids. And I think that comes out to about 5.2 when it comes out to, you know, your, your COA numbers. Okay. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, for eight, nine, 10, 11, seven, however many you want to put on a roster, that's all you have. 
But now you see that Austin case money that, that you know the SEC and the Big 12 and a lot of those schools are starting to do now for academics. Now you've got kids getting X amount of dollars on top of that. That's where some of these kids from these other places, they don't care what the logo says. They just want to know it's a good university in a nice town. They're going to be safe. They're going to get better at golf. They're going to get their education. And they just want to come over here and live the dream. So yeah. that's why we do that, because that'll help us stay more. That, that helps us stay competitive on a national scale and not slip. So if a football coach goes and watches a high school football game or he's got kids in camp, he's watching a young kid and he's they're projecting him, okay, through two years of our weight program and this and that, mm-hmm. where can we get this kid? For you, what's the split on when you feel like you can invest the time to develop a kid or when you need somebody to come in closer to a finished product? Probably on what we need that year, what our roster looks like, the turnover for that year. I do look, you know, one, two years, three years down the road. But as competitive as as it's gotten anymore, I mean, I'm looking at maybe one of those kids every two years. Okay. I only got eight. Everybody always complains about their five, man. It doesn't matter if you're Texas or if you're Arkansas State golf. You always feel like you've got the depth. But the problem is, you know, it's you always don't get those five to play consistently every single doggone week. And that's a problem across the board in college golf. But yet, you know, you sit here and you look at your roster and I can go one through eight and be like, dang, I really feel good about this. And we do have a good team. I love our guys. We're going to be we're going to grow. We're going to get so much better. Even this is a really good group, but it never seems to work out that way. Whether you win a national championship (laughs) or, you know, if you're just, you know, having a nice season, you're ranked, you know, 75 and, and you've got a really good team. So anymore, it's, you know, we've got to have guys that come in that can at least try to play right away had a nice finish to the fall won the Bubba Barnett Mm -hmm. third place at the Bahamas and we were talking before we started recording just how great of a tournament that is in the Bahamas not just because of the setting but Mm -hmm. they treated you really well down there it was unbelievable you know they put the teams up at the Atlantis and played the ocean course obviously and just the experience like we were talking about get off the plane and Someone's there with Arkansas State University. They've got a sign, and they're getting you through customs, and then they're helping you get your luggage, and then you know they go put you on a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, drive you to the golf course, you have your welcome dinner, which is just you know I mean it wasn't anything real formal, but I mean it's just you know but good food, great setting, everybody's there. They had live music, and and then we go get on you know another shuttle, head back to the hotel, and then every single day it was a shuttle in the morning waiting for us, and then they ran constant shuttles after the round and after people wanted to practice, you know, and you had breakfast and lunch out there and it was unbelievable food they did a really good job with the food golf course was great i thought the setup was good just first class you know obviously the atlantis is a really really nice resort it was a good trip for good trip for the guys and i'm glad we played well i mean that's always when you're doing you're that far away from home you want to play well right so yeah we had a really good finish you know the colorado finish was good thought we probably could have won that tournament if we weren't taking off the golf course with that weather delay you know halfway through the second round i think that really stopped our mojo because we're making a run we were two off came out the next day finished that round poorly but then you know started that third run right back up again and and played well and had a really nice finish out there as well so there were three really good finishes you know in minnesota shot even par up there it was good golf it wasn't bad golf i mean beat iowa state beat west virginia couple of postseason teams and shot even, you know, and the shot differential wasn't wasn't a lot. You know, I mean, Notre Dame moves preseason top 25, and I don't know where they're at now. That stuff changes all the time, but they're really good. I mean, they only beat us by three, and we beat them two out of three rounds. So, you know, you start breaking things down like that and looking at it, and, you know, Luke and Nagla was at World Championships in Paris, you know, up until three days before we went to that event. Thomas Schmidt, we were having visa issues with him, you know, and he didn't get in, you know, before, you know, until a week before we left. And then, you know, he's having to adapt, and it always takes international kids, you know, a solid year to get used to everything, you know, and yet alone he comes off, gets off a plane, 
goes through orientations, has to start class, doesn't know anybody, doesn't know the golf courses. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's different for those guys. So even for us to shoot even up there and to beat the couple of teams that we did, we didn't take bad losses. They were all, no loss is good. But in college golf, when you start looking at numbers and you play against a computer, it's a good loss. Uh, my last thing for you would be this, because you mentioned it. It is what you told me before, to what you said today. Do you think the thing you've had going for you is just an eye for talent over the years that you hit more than you miss in terms of finding guys that play? You are in a sport where guys are at an elite level to even get to you. And by the time they've got their guys, they've worked with along the way. So we know you put the roster together, but from a coaching standpoint and college coaching, what, what do you think is the most you bring to the table to these guys from a coaching standpoint? A couple things, actually. I keep things competitive at all times. Okay, I don't care if it's drills, just like today. You know, we're kind of in our off-season hours, and we'll do some stuff this afternoon. You know, we're, we're very limited, but everything's competitive. Okay, everything's competitive. That's a big thing. And like I said, the way we run our program and what they should expect from us and what we expect from them and the organization and the organizational, I guess, pattern, chart, whatever you want to call it, those are the biggest things that we bring those guys and just, you know, making sure they manage their days like pros and keeping every day competitive. Have you played golf with pretty much every coach in the athletic department? Do most of them play? It's a good question. I'm trying to think. I've played with them. I don't even play that much golf right now, Matt. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've played with I played with Jeff. No, now, now Jeff no, I haven't played with Jeff. I don't think I've played with Jeff yet. Actually, I have not played. I was supposed to play with Jeff, and I got COVID coming back from Germany, so I was not able to play. But Jeff does play. What? Well, yes, we know he plays, and really, some of his I played with Bilotto. Some of his best relationships have been formed through golf. You know, mm-hmm. he really formed a great relationship with Bobby Bowden. He played a lot of golf with Nick Saban, but that's a big part of his story is golf so i was going to ask you if you had played with him yet but you have played with coach bilotto i played with coach bilotto i used to play with coach anderson quite a bit you know a few times a year for sure when now, he, was he was here. very good right? he was solid he was solid he get the shanks sometimes he get in his head and gets like in his own way but he was <laughs> he was good he did he did you know and i was like dude what are you doing but uh <laughs> but uh no he was solid for sure yeah and obviously my assistant you know easton key um We've played a few times together, and I was trying to get get around to who's the the best in the department. Oh shit! Outside of the golf, team. it's got to be Jeff, right? I mean, I'm going through thinking who plays golf or who I know has played golf or played in some of our events where I where I've been at. I may not have been in their group, but yeah, it has to be Jeff, no doubt. If it's not, I'd be really surprised. <laughs> you know, I work there again now, right? <laughs> you do you do yeah, he just he just breezed <laughs> right by you blew right past me blew right past you brad <laughs> mike hagan joining us here on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank thanks for coming in this was fun thanks for having me appreciate it we got more to come right after this the simmons bank card alerts app lets you get more from your simmons debit and credit cards set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen, or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. A lot of basketball to talk about. Men's basketball got off to a... One and one start last week, won the opener over Harding, 86 to 55. That was an interesting game. You look up eight minutes to go in the first half, and Harding's up 
And you're thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> and then A-State goes on a 26-4 to run to end the half. There was a 20-minute stretch in that game from that eight-minute mark in the first half to about the eight-minute mark of the second half where A-State had outscored Harding 62-11. to But a little bit of a late, yeah. late wake-up call, but they got things going. Uh, I, and, I mean, what you just said matches up with my experience. I mean, I'm sitting courtside directing this game so obviously i'm seeing it and you know you know we're off to a slow start right i mean whatever not ever a panic situation but i honest to goodness it's like i looked up and we were down 10 went back to you know doing my thing next time i looked up we were up nine yeah and then the next time I looked we were up 40 they end up winning by 31 86 to 55 so a good start in the season opener and then they go on the road Saturday to take on LSU. So really the toughest game on the schedule when you look at it before the season, you think, okay, that's that's going to be the biggest challenge in the non-conference going to LSU. And, hey, the Red Wolves were right there. They lose the game 61-52, to but I think some of the most encouraging things, they out-rebounded LSU at their place. 35 to 34 and held the Tigers to under 40% shooting. So, listen to that ball game, you know, coming home from football and you know, we go on a really poor timed scoreless streak. Yeah. At one time reached 5 6 7 minutes coming down the stretch of the game, but at a time where we had not scored in going on 5 minutes, it was still a 4-point game and we had not scored in 5 minutes. Yeah. So uh, it, it really they played some good defense. Uh Mark Taylor put this out. LSU shot 39.2% from the field. First time they've been held under 40% in a non-conference home game and also uh, held below 61 points in the non-conference home game. That had not happened to them since 2013. Wow. That's impressive. And you're going to have off-shooting nights. But if you can defend and you can rebound, John Brady taught us this, you're going to still have a chance in a whole lot of games. And this was the case on Saturday. And speaking of our buddy, Coach Brady, of course, he was calling the game for the LSU radio broadcast the other night, but he texted me after the game and his text was, you shoot it at all, you win. And it's encouraging because this A-State team has more shooters than what we've had in the past. And Look, maybe that game's different if Malcolm Farrington is healthy and is able to play on Saturday. So, encouraging stuff from the men. Now, we're recording this on Monday before the game Monday night against Lyon College. But another game coming up Friday, the men will be on the road traveling to UC Davis. So, another road test coming up before they return home for three games next week. Tip off for that game Friday at eight o'clock can, can i say this and, and this this may be bad maybe i shouldn't go ahead but i'm saying this if you're listening to this part of this podcast if you're hearing this sentence right now you can assume that a state defeated lion college on monday night because if it doesn't happen <laughs> we probably came back in on tuesday morning and knocked out a, a different sounding <laughs> podcast well that's a good point last thursday women's basketball played their season opener they fell at Louisiana Tech 59-56. They cut a 12-point deficit down to two in the final minute, fell just short. But I know you made the trip down to Ruston to see this for yourself. What were your thoughts? That when this team gets to play the way it wants to, it's fun to watch. And they came out 
force and the tempo and pressing and running and jumping and had Louisiana Tech rattled. Actually, you know, it's a really good La Tech team. Yeah, they had the preseason player of the year in Conference USA and deal team with high hopes. And A State kind of came out and had them throwing it all over the yard, to be honest with you. And in the middle of the game, as the second quarter went on and through the third quarter, the game was played Louisiana Tech's tempo. I think we were up seven at the half, and the third quarter really kind of flipped it. Louisiana Tech played it at their pace, and they ended up turning that seven-point deficit into a 12-point lead. So it really had been outscored 19 points in the second half up to that point, and then um, cranked it back up again You know, inside three minutes to go and forced the tempo again, started running and jumping and pressing, and and got back within two at one point, and even down three, you know, had a shot in the air trying to force overtime. Destiny Rogers in her post game, you could tell disappointed to lose, but she couldn't wait to get back on the floor and get ready for the Tennessee Martin game. Kind of like the men in action Monday yeah. nights after we record yeah. this. I don't know. Obviously, this game hadn't happened yet, so we don't know if Arkansas State won, lost, how it looked. But I'm telling you, if you're not a, a women's basketball fan, you may not realize it, but this stretch of going to Louisiana Tech and to Tennessee Martin to open your season, that's not doing your team a whole lot of favors. That's two really tough road trips to open the year. UT Martin's a good program. I think uh, Troy beat them five in the season opener. They've got a young lady from Northeast Arkansas who I'm sure is anxious to play Arkansas State. So, interested to see how this one shakes out or shook out on Monday night. A couple of home games coming up this week. Wednesday at 7, the home opener against Hendricks. First chance to see the Red Wolves play in person. And then Saturday at 2, Utah State will be in town. So, a couple of chances to see the A-State women this week. In other news cross country want to mention this congratulations to jb shuffleberger and jacob pyatt they both earned all region honors friday at the south central regional championships in college station texas pyatt finishing 14th in the men's 10k shuffleberger finishing sixth overall in the women's 6k and that means she clinches a spot at the ncaa championships that's coming up saturday in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and she's just the second woman in school history to qualify for that meet. Yes, yeah, so a great individual performance. Both teams fared well, finishing, well, I think, fourth somewhere in that yep. neighborhood out of the 27 teams competing in that regional. So a lot of uh, you know Power 5 schools in that. So really got exactly what you'd expect to get out of an Arkansas State team uh, in a track and field or cross-country event, which is a, a good performance. Meanwhile, the volleyball team will play in the first round of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Wednesday, 2.30 start time. It's actually the first match of the entire Sunbelt Tournament. They'll take on Georgia State and Foley, Alabama. A-State women, the sixth seed out of the West. Georgia State, the seventh seed out of the East. And, you know, I know it's been a rough season very young team they've been in a lot of close matches but it'd be great to go down to foley and win a game in the sunbelt conference tournament you would think that uh, that'd be a nice little springboard yeah. going into next year because if you win one you might win more than one you, might you just, just might i mean it's same thing you know they went out they you know they swept ulm last weekend at home or weekend before and then went to marshall this week to close regular season and lost a five set match where they had to lead in set number five and the ability to close out sets has gotten this team this young bunch a couple of times so it stung them one more time so they've got some goodwill kind of banked up and and headed their way so hopefully they'll cash it all in down in foley and finally the football team 
playing a much-awaited matchup this Saturday at Texas State. Saturday kickoff at 4 o'clock. Our coverage on the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield begins at 2 o'clock. You can also see that game on ESPN3, but no lack of storylines in this game. A couple of teams that will not be going to a bowl game, but I'll tell you, it's important for multiple reasons. <laughs> you know, Going into next year and trying to keep momentum uh, for Arkansas State and obviously coming off the win uh, against UMass, but if you want to make this... The bowl game this year, I, I think that you could probably make a pretty good case for it, especially with the uh, former Red Wolves that you're going to be going up against with Lane Hatcher and Lincoln Perry, a big part of that Texas State offense now. And, of course, we'll get to see our old friend, Dr. Kelly Danfus, this weekend as well. Yeah, uh, so there's that, you know, right? And then they've got uh, more A-State flavor on their coaching staff too i believe so, rj fleming yeah, yeah so i mean there's a a lot of ties you're right to where I, this probably is both teams bowl game i i think it's probably a, a fair assessment there's people on both sides that have had this game circled even before the season so i think it's a fair assessment all right so that's coming up saturday at four a state and texas state in san marcus Anything we need to talk about before we get out of here? Well, make sure people understand uh, about a, a, a ticket special we've got going because uh, I don't know if you glanced ahead to this time next week, but it is a crazy week. Where, I, I've glanced uh, at it, yes. Where we happen to have uh, you know six home games basically in the span of six days. And so with it being Thanksgiving week, students aren't on campus. We want to kind of do something fun. And so – Go to the website, go to astateredwolves.com. We'll have it out on social media too, but we got a way for you to get one ticket to five events next week. The basketball doubleheader, which is going to be a really big one with UT Martin and the men at five and the women taking on Oklahoma after that. That's going to be a really fun night next Tuesday night. Yeah. Then you got the, the men play Friday, football Saturday, obviously in the senior day, and then the men play again on Sunday. So out of those five games, you can get a ticket to all five of those games for $25. Wow. One ticket to all five of those events. Plus, by the way, and it, and I'll say this on the podcast, and as we're recording this, it hadn't even come out yet. The plan, I believe, for that there's also a women's basketball game at 11 o'clock next Saturday morning, same day as the football game. Yeah. Women versus Kansas City, that I believe is going to be free admission. Man, this uh, five game for $25 super ticket thanksgiving feast i love it and you can get those tickets through the box office go to yeah astateredwolves.com we'll get the information on our social media channels as well all right it's been a fun episode appreciate men's golf coach mike hagan for hanging out with us really enjoyed that visit and we'll check in with you next week for another edition of the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank